Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today we're having a spotlight on one of our favorite video game soundtracks of all time. And games, yes. Yeah, Sam and Max Hit the Road. Uh, This music was composed by the partnership of Peter McConnell, Clint Bajakian, and possibly Michael Land. Yeah, I think Michael did a little bit of music in this. I mean, he is credited. So yeah, I think they all contributed. Primarily a Clint score from what we've uh, been told by Peter uh, a few years back. Uh, This is a team of people that we used to refer to as the Dream Team, these three composers that worked at LucasArts. And it's been far too long since we've had an episode focusing on the Dream Team. And this is long overdue. This is one of our favorite games of all time. It's so nostalgic. Definitely one of my favorite adventure games. Uh, It's such a fun and funny game with such a great soundtrack, very ahead of its time. Uh, It's a nice kind of jazz, film noir style soundtrack. And I'm so glad we get to dive in fully uh, to this. There's some music, obviously, we we won't, don't have time for today. It's kind of a big score, but we're going to be able to play uh, most of the most of the great stuff here. Yeah, I think Sam and Max is. You could argue that it's one of the greatest adventure games of all time. I definitely think think so. uh, It has some of the best writing of any video game to date. Absolutely. Uh, And I think especially considering the fact that it's a comedy, I don't think a lot of games necessarily go all out on like a complete tongue-in-cheek sort of satire way. And a lot of games that do... It, the the humor is almost more in the fact that things aren't being taken seriously, but the writing in Sam and Max is legitimately of a high standard. I mean, when I think of some of the funniest films and some of the funniest, you know, pieces of literature or television shows or anything of kind of the 1990s, like I, I honestly would put Sam and Max up there with any of them. It's very smart. Yeah. It's it's very satirical. There's it's dry and sarcastic, and it's it's visually funny too. Like they play with the sort of animated well, looks of the characters. It needs to be said. This was one of the first games, one of the first adventure games, possibly that used a full had full voice acting throughout the whole thing. I think the original release, if it was on floppy disk, it had the subtitles, but if you got it on CD-ROM, it had voice acting. And they hired two professional voice actors. One of the things that's kind of funny is the voice, uh, the person who voiced Max uh, was a voice actor and an actor. Will, you might remember him. He was in 24, actually. He played the Russian Prime Minister Suvorov. Right. If you recall that character, that's the person who voiced Max. They did such a great job with these characters, and the music added so much comedy and emotion and uh, vibe to to this experience. And so we're so excited to dive in. We couldn't resist playing in with what we did. That is the, actually the very first thing you hear in the game. It's called Friends. It's the introduction music. There's a really funny cutscene um, that starts off the game that really has nothing to do with the plot of the rest of the game. Right. But it has this crazy scientist and it kind of introduces Sam and Max and well, in the and sense of humor of the game. I think the great thing about Sam and Max, especially when you look at it from the standpoint of music is it's uh it it works on a lot of levels and what i love about it is i think something like this now might not surprise me as much because i think our culture is very referential and meta and it it, there's this sense that like everything has been done Um, but Mm -hmm. when you go back to when this game came out 
uh, I think the idea of a really well done adventure game with voice acting or a compelling story would have been more than enough. But the fact that it's like, it's not just a game where you play as detectives, but the whole thing is kind of a joke and it's all tongue in cheek. That's the thing that that so impresses me because it's not like paying reverence to some old older style of game. Like I mean, you know, Monkey Island was always really funny, and a lot of the Lucas Arcs games have that sort of humorous quality. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about them is they're not like parodies of old genres of games sometimes they're satirizing uh certain film cliches like sam and max is definitely playing on a lot of the tropes of kind of like buddy cop films or film noir detective yeah and and i think we definitely have to mention that one of the things that sets apart this game is uh you know the collaboration with steve purcell who's a person who actually created these characters originally in the 1989 comic and so his kind of vision for this uh cannot be understated one of the things that he wanted to do with this game was to have a lot of different like Americana tourists sites. Uh, right. Some of them are kind of fictional and some of them are based in reality. Um, actually, all of the, the Snuckies uh, convenience stores in this game are actually based on, uh, I'll try to find what the actual convenience stores are called, but they're, they're stores that he remembers from his childhood uh, on family vacation. So a lot of that stuff is kind of from his childhood. Well, and the music, what's so interesting is, uh, and this is something we notice a lot of times with this dream team, is we get kind of these eclectic genre pieces. So like in Monkey Island, we talked a lot about the fusion of, I guess you could say, sort of like like reggae meets like pirate swashbuckling music meets like a lot of other Latin influences. But with Sam mm-hmm. and Max, there's a decided sort of jazz quality to a lot of the pieces, which makes sense. It's playing on the tropes of almost old the kind of like 40s anti-hero film noir detective thing um but the fun thing about the game is it is this kind of you know sam and max hit the road it's this road trip and you go all over the country so there's ample opportunity for these incredible composers uh to kind of explore different avenues of mostly just american music let's get into it we're going to now play the main theme of the game which is called a pleasantly understated credit sequence and this was we found out composed by peter mcconnell let's take a listen Man, there's just so much to talk about today. You guys are listening to a pleasantly understated credit sequence, which is the main theme from Sam and Max Hit the Road. We found out that this was composed by Peter McConnell. This was such a turning point for for the Dream Team because when you listen to the previous soundtracks, such as Fate of Atlantis or Monkey 2, um, that they all worked on together, 
Uh, this one is so much more performance oriented than those were. Uh, right. Everything you're hearing here is is MIDI performance, but they're really leaning into that, taking solos and and you know trying to you know perform this drum beat on a MIDI keyboard. And they did a really bang up job with that, especially in night. They probably started this in 1992. Game came out in 93 um so so really ahead of its time and it's just really fun to hear their performance and kind of that sense of spontaneity they have in the soundtrack well the other thing is that the music here is very tongue-in-cheek uh Mm -hmm. not to say that things weren't composed thoughtfully or earnestly but the approach to the style is definitely meant to be part of the sort of comedic fabric oh for sure what i love about it a lot of the music has like a i mentioned almost like a 40s quality and particularly some of the in-game music like boom 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 that focuses more on like a walking bass line and yep. you picture like a sort of smoky lounge jazz trio situation but something like this i think the melody in the underlying composition definitely evokes kind of like an old big band classic yeah uh, something really swanky but the way even with these sort of primitive instruments you definitely get it it has almost like an elevator jazz sound to it mm-hmm. as well with sort of like the organ and, and some of the elements that it, it seems like it's almost playing up uh musical cliches a little bit Absolutely. more than something and I, I don't know there's something about that that i think really adds to the humor i mean the game is really funny but there was something about this credit sequence that always really made me laugh and oh, i yeah. think the music is probably a big part of that it's a great yeah. theme though too just melodically great melody you could probably perform that really slow and sincerely and it sounds like a sort of film noir melody the the sort of yeah uh, one thing melodic dissonances that it's hitting yeah, one thing I, I would like to mention is that what you guys are hearing most of today, the version that we're kind of going with, is the sound canvas version of the soundtrack. That was these composers' preferred version. Basically, it's it's like a, like a souped-up general MIDI sound, kind of an improved general MIDI sound. That that's kind of what they. That what they were really trying to focus on, I think, when they were working on this game. Um, we grew up with the Sound Blaster version, so a few times in our episode today, we're gonna we're gonna kind of fade in a mix so that you can hear a little bit of what the Sound Blaster version sounded like, and we're gonna hear that in this next track. This is another idiotic and baffling assignment. This is what you hear as soon as the credit sequence is over and they they enter their office in New York City. Let's take a listen.
how the music is so dynamic. Very ahead of its time, the music changes to fit what's happening in the game, and there's even examples when the music is different every time you... Like when you go to a Snuckies, depending on which state you're in, uh, there's like a few different themes that you'll hear. Um, and also the way that the music like seamlessly transitions and fades. Let's take a listen to a little bit of the Sound Blaster version here. so classic to me definitely more primitive i mean to me it might be more charming if i'm honest um well but i think it's, it, more it's charming. harder to hear what the instruments are supposed to be i guess it's more charming but it actually sounds uh, i feel like i can take it seriously in a way that i it's hard for me to take the sound canvas version as seriously because I, there's mm-hmm. something very saccharine about those sounds and even some of the like primitive reverb and everything right um and in addition i i don't know there's not as much clarity to the composition i feel like when you listen to the sound blaster versions every there's like this this glue with any kind of whether it's an fm synthesis or any kind of synthesizer well let me tell you this will lose the ideas together if this was available i would have used the sound blaster there is no available sound blaster version of the soundtrack it does not exist i what i had to do for these few tracks is i actually had to go into DOSBox and just kind of record the audio that's the only way i turned off the sound effects and the voices and that's the only way you're able to get <laughs> this music so so yeah right. that's why we're not doing the whole score this way but yeah, i agree i mean this sound blaster version is so charming and fun and to me it kind of amps up the the comedy a little bit a little bit Definitely. better so if i was going to suggest a version to to while, while you're playing this game if you're going to do it on dos box or hopefully if it's because i know it was re-released on steam hopefully there you're able to hear the the uh, Sound Blaster version. The other cool thing about a lot of this music compositionally is um, any of the jazz stuff is all very much based around the blues and Mm -hmm. kind of blues scales, which I think makes you think of a more old-fashioned jazz approach. Again, makes at least it makes me think of like the 30s and 40s, kind of when jazz was in vogue as a more kind of like mainstream popular music. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I definitely think it it fits because sort of the film cliches and the tropes that the characters are playing off of and what they're sort of satirizing is the sort of hardened film noir private detective character. And so many of those old film scores kind of have a jazz element. Yeah, what you guys are hearing right now is what's happening in the game is they're walking outside of their office and uh, there's like (laughs) there's this crazy neighbor who, who is in an office next door to them and he's like shooting bullet holes in the wall and he throws this guy out and, and he's hanging by his neck over the, the rail of the staircase. And so it's just kind of, uh, they're really trying to overdo this kind of really gruff and gritty uh, kind of New York City film noir vibe. But, right. but that, that doesn't last the whole game. Um, that's what I think is so cool. We're now going to move on to chronologically the very next piece of music you hear. Uh, This is called The Courier, and it's outside of their headquarters on the streets of New York City. And and, and it's it's a a very brief location for this game. This game takes place all across the United States, um, and that's kind of the whole shtick about it, is that it's kind of this Americana road trip kind of a game. But let's take a listen to Outside Headquarters. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to The Courier, also known as Outside Headquarters. Um, and this is most likely composed by Clint Bajakian, Peter mentioned in our interview. Uh, we are going to give you guys a taste of that interview that we did uh, many years ago uh, later on in the episode. Just just when he was talking, just, just a couple minutes when Peter was talking about about this game. Uh, so we'll, we'll give you a taste of that. Um, but yeah, Clint was actually the lead composer on this score. I have a feeling that Peter... Um, after Clint, Peter probably did the most number of tracks, and then, yeah, I have a feeling Michael maybe just did a handful. Um, but yeah, this piece of music is actually kind of related to the next piece you would hear once you get in your car. It's kind of the over, like, the map theme when you see the whole country, and right. you can kind of decide, I think it's called Greetings from the USA, when you can decide where you want to go, has a similar uh, piece to this. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely a lot of linkage to the early music of this game. I mean, I think all the sort of headquarters music has a very similar approach in terms of arrangement and genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some really nice kind of authentically voiced old school jazz chords here. Again, kind of utilizing the blues scale, you get that sort of cross relation where you have sort of a, a minor chord or a, a, that's sort of like it's it's in a minor key essentially, yet you have the, what would be maybe considered the sharp nine or yeah, the, that's such of, a hip the, sound. the major third against the minor that's, third. That's kind of a noir sound for me that really helps capture that. You know what I find so funny is when people talk about the score, whether it's even on Wikipedia or anything, oh, you know, it's this jazz film noir score but it only really starts off that way Uh, right it it doesn't take very long for them to really change gears and fittingly so you go to things like a carnival you go to things like the uh you know uh, the world of fish you go to these locations where jazz wouldn't even really make sense i think it's really a testament to some of the work that peter mcconnell did in if if this were a movie almost like the first reel of the film you Mm -hmm. know has that sound and that's how we meet and establish our characters and they definitely come back to it here and there but they're, right they're, and they're more film noir jazz. the characters themselves are like film noir tropes so Gun then shoe, the, yeah. i think some of the the humor of the game comes with putting them in these kind of like discordant situations where all these things that you don't necessarily <laughs> associate a private detective doing absolutely freelance police okay let's move on to uh kind of a double whammy here this is called carnival of the odd but really it starts off with the theme of the bad guys uh, the main main villain in this game uh is conroy bumpus uh who's this kind of uh british uh, and basically animal abuser. He wants to capture uh, the Bigfoot, um, which is kind of the, the main plot point in this game and uh, his kind of stupid henchman. So you first, you first and hear their he, theme. The other thing is he's sort of like a country music star. Yeah. So he's kind of like putting on this fake affected Southern accent. But then when you meet him, he's like, Blimey. exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, we're going to hear him sing later in the episode. Uh, so it starts off with that kind of cue of the main bad guys. And then it goes into really the carnival of the odd theme. And we did find out from Peter via an email. I think when he was listening to our LucasArts episode, he emailed and said, Hey, you know, that track you played in with, um, I actually wrote that one as well. So we know that he composed the carnival of the odd theme. I think Clint probably, composed the villain theme uh let's take a listen to this from sam and max Thank you. 
this is just so classic. You guys are listening to Carnival of the Odd, which started out with the villain theme. Yeah, to me, that that uh, I really think that's probably a Clint Bajakian piece. Will was saying it kind of reminds him of some of the Fat Island music from Monkey 2. Also reminiscent from some of the Fate of Atlantis music. I know that Clint took the lead on that score, too. I love this main Carnival of the Odd theme that Peter wrote. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a precursor to more of the music we're going to hear on this uh, in this location, such as Doug the Mole Man. Um, I just love Peter's style, kind of like a devious... There's a, there's a sense of humor to it, um, but there's also his use of dissonance is just um, really effective. What's interesting to me here also is this is a piece of music that sounds the most like Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. And Day of the Tentacle, I also know, is another score that uh, Clint Pajakian more was the lead as far as I thought. But what this makes yes. me think is that... Uh, I really suspect that Peter wrote that main Day of the Tentacle theme because mm-hmm. it's so similar with its sort of chromatic deviousness and also well, getting this sense. like klezmery sound with the, you know, clarinet Because Peter and wrote the main theme of this game too, even though Clint took the lead. And so maybe that was kind of a, a pattern that they continued. And yeah, um, Day of the Tentacle came out, I want to say the same year. It was what they moved on to right after Sam and Max. It's crazy how prolific and busy they were right. at this time. I just wish that the tradition of adventure games would continue to this yeah. day. My favorite part of this song is Oh, so good. You know what, Will, you know what that reminds me of is The Simpsons. Yes, it's yeah, kind of a Danny Elfman kind of devious vibe. Um, a lot of those dissonances, kind of chromatic notes, like a tritone apart from the root. So it totally has that same sound. Chronologically, we're going to move to the very next thing you hear. It's when you enter the Hall of Oddities, but basically it's the scene of the crime because this is where Bruno the Bigfoot, who was uh, this frozen Bigfoot, who was the main attraction of this carnival, uh, was stolen. This is the scene of the crime from Sam and Max Hit the Road. God, I love the Dream Team so much. They're so good. This is Scene of the Crime, and uh, me and Will were kind of chatting while this was playing. Both of us have a feeling this might be a Michael Land composition. I mean, there's even kind of that creepy theremin um, eventually. It reminds me of like a swamp, like a voodoo lady piece or something. It also reminds me of a lot of the music on Scab Island, mm-hmm. uh, like the cemetery, also a bit of like Largo Le Grand. But what's really cool about this score is there is this unified sense where yeah. even though I, I think we're such big fans of these three composers that 
we can you can sort of hear maybe some of the stylistic differences but in terms of genre and in terms of approach it really does feel so unified yeah i mean i don't think any of this would ever like break you out of the experience in fact a lot of the pieces written by separate composers almost sound more similar than um you know this sounds more like some of the stuff we heard towards the beginning more so than than like the carnival the odd did for instance it's just so wonderful to hear how they were all on the same page and really went for a specific sound and it and it really in some ways doesn't necessarily feel like any other other scores it it, that's what i love so much about it um maybe not particularly this piece but some of the pieces that we're going to get to um really feel like just so unique and uh have such an identity and this really makes me want to replay this game uh let's play um one more piece of music that you hear in the carnival this is when you break into trixie's trailer this was always one of my favorite uh pieces from the score as a kid i always just really enjoyed it it has this really melancholy nostalgic kind of end of the summer like reminiscing about years gone by kind of a feel to it definitely going for kind of like a i don't know if i would say a late 50s or early 60s kind of doo-wop pop sound. Let's take a listen to Trixie's trailer. So good. You guys are listening to Trixie's trailer from Sam and Max Hit the Road. Um, And this was just perfectly scoring this uh, little part of the experience. Trixie's trailer, she's not there anymore, and she's, she's also missing. And so you're kind of seeing what her trailer was like. And there is a sense of kind of nostalgia and melancholy. Uh, as soon as you enter the trailer, Max starts jumping on her bed, um, which is really funny. And, and yeah, this, is, this music is great because I think it's, it's really effective music, and I really do enjoy listening to it on its own. But you, can't, you can definitely tell that it's tongue-in-cheek and it has a sense of humor to it. I love that there's so much soloing. Like, they establish this melody, and it's this really nice kind of Earth Angel type of a, you know, early pop song style but then he just takes this organ solo and kind of goes ham on the organ uh which is to me goes kind of adding to the humor on the organ yeah. <laughs> nice i love this track yeah it, it's it's very cute it, it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek there's also this is one that it reminds me a little bit of uh like i could see it being any one of the composers honestly but it reminds me a little bit of the guybrush and elaine music that it's like Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful and has that sort of Uh sadness to it but it also feels like it's intentionally melodramatic yeah Um, like it's kind of overly sad in a way that's supposed to still be kind of wry and comic well, some of my favorite music in the game are the Snuckies themes. And so Snuckies are these like series of uh, almost like diner chain restaurants that you find all over yeah, the country. Yeah, kind of, 
convenience stores that you find all over the country. And apparently Steve Purcell based them on an actual real chain of convenience stores called Stuckies, which are a real thing. <laughs> he didn't make that up. So that's so funny. I never knew that before. Um, this is Snucky's Greatest Hits Volume 1. There's three different themes. This is the first one and my favorite of the Snuckies themes. We're going to do another mix here where eventually we'll fade in the Sound Blaster version just to kind of give you give you guys another taste of that. This is Snuckies 1. You guys listening to Snucky's Greatest Hits Volume 1. Another great example of adding to the comedy here. Um, the music itself is being taken seriously as far as the melody. I mean, it's actually a very pretty melody. It gets a little bit more uh, emotional near the end of it. Um, let's take a listen to a little bit of the Sound Blaster here. <laughs> yeah, once again, I mean, you know, for my money, I feel like this is helping the comedy even more. Um, I've always loved this melody. I thought it was just so pretty and just catchy. I, I know as a kid, I found myself singing this all the time. Totally, yeah. I, I love this melody. What's funny, hearing it now, it's so clearly tongue-in-cheek. It's so oh, yeah. clearly, like almost satirical but i think as a kid i i just probably wasn't as plugged into those things uh-huh. and w- the thing that i like about this is this is honestly one of the best melodies in the game i, I mean, agree it's, it's really well crafted it's very beautiful the rhythms the counter melodies uh it th- there's that interval that makes me think of the lion sleeps tonight yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah there's uh, an innocence to while you're in snuckies i mean the the um what's funny is when you go to the counter the clerk it's always this looks like the same person but he has like slightly different like facial hair and he's like supposed to be different but he's almost basically like he's related. bernard um he's right, basically yeah. bernard from day and, of the and there's kind of like an innocence to, to him and yeah and one track we're, we're not going to play today is is actually Snucky's Greatest Hits Volume 3, which if you recall, Will, I always thought this was really cool as a kid, um, is the same melody that the song that we're going to hear Conrad sing, Childhood in Brighton, it's actually that same melody. Um, which is right. which is kind of something that maybe when you first play the game you might not notice but i think that was a really cool choice sure um, we're going to play a different snuckies track later on which is which is also really really good let's move on to one of my favorites in the score this is maybe one of the most memorable and funny locations of the game and one of the best tracks this is the world's largest ball of twine
you guys listening to the world's largest ball of twine. Um, and yeah, this is one of the tourist stops that's kind of based in reality. There is actually uh, the world's largest ball of twine that is located in Minnesota, and it is in Minnesota in this game as well, um, which is kind of funny. They um, definitely exaggerated the yeah. proportions. <laughs> it's so big. Yeah, I really love this track. This is about four minutes long. It's one of the longest pieces in the game, and really feels like authentic jazz. There's a lot of uh, kind of flourishing and, and kind of impressive piano solos. One of the things we asked Peter, I believe, was uh, who who took the solos, and he couldn't remember exactly. He think that he he thinks that he did most of them. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that they had so much fun with the score, and, it, and it, I think compared to what they had done previously, it must have been a lot of fun just to kind of let their hair down and just you know jam out on some jazz. Yeah, that sort of first section of it that we were hearing for most of the song, it has such a sweet, old-school, old-fashioned song quality. Like, it sounds yeah. like something by Victor Young, or even like an old mm. Cole Porter song. Like, it definitely has like that old show tune jazz standard quality to it. Yeah. And it reminds me of, the reason I say Victor Young is, in addition to being a songwriter, he was also sort of an earlier film composer, mm. and he wrote a lot of music uh, for films. So, like, there's that classic song, Around the World. Mm -hmm. um, that was for the movie Around the World in 80 Days. Uh, and the, just that melody, the progression, and some of the moves of it have that kind of sound. And there's something so humorous about the combination of this music and the visuals. Particularly, I remember there's a lot of comedy around like waiting for the sort of gondola or whatever to go up to the <laughs> yeah. top of the ball of twine and right. waiting for Max to walk up the stairs. And it almost seems like it, they always timed it so that the piano solo <laughs> uh -huh. would be occurring like at those moments. Um, well, one thing something at, really humorous about at the very end of this track, just for a second we hear, we hear is um, kind of transitioning into the theme of the mind bender, <laughs> the really crass guy who's always constantly swearing in the game actually bleeps him out, which is so funny. Um, his theme is, is really cool. And so, yeah, the music, again, it seamlessly transitions between different characters' themes. Right. The other thing is there's actually a lot of motivic, kind of almost leitmotif qualities. Uh, one of the themes, I don't know if you could consider this like a theme for Sam and Max themselves, um, but supposedly it's uh, Peter McConnell's theme, and that's e um bump bump yep. ba da dum bump bump. The most obvious example to me is in that bonus game bump bump bump. But almost all the tracks we've heard hearken to that little melody at yeah, that's some true. point, which is kind of an interesting little motive that's well, woven in. Well, I think the most the most clear version of that is probably the whack-a-mole game, whack-a-rat game in the carnival uh, when you hear that. But right. yeah, you actually do hear it harken to a lot in the score. Uh, all right, let's take a listen to World of Fish uh, with with a parentheses. I'm a trout, stupid. I actually really like this track. Um, I can't remember where this takes place, but it's basically this really kind of calm, desolate um, <laughs> place where there's this Woody Allen-like character who's who's fishing um, and so it makes sense they kind of went for this country yeah, Americana it's sound. Got, it must be somewhere on like the East Coast or something. Let's take a listen to World of Fish.
you guys listening to World of Fish, parentheses, I'm a trout, stupid. One thing that we love about this score, and I don't know if it was intentional, is it's none of it. None of this is quantized, and so there's a lot of kind of very imperfect rhythms and mismatching things happening. I think it actually fits the humor perfectly. Very much. And especially with the Sound Blaster version, again, it kind of... It, it just you you kind of accept all that. Um, what is cool is is this MIDI data still exists. People have the MIDIs um, from this, and so it would be kind of fun to take this and maybe do uh, maybe kind of updated, remastered versions, and maybe we could quantize some of this if if we really wanted to. Um, it looks like I'm looking at the the map here from the game. And it looks like the world of fish is kind of in the south, in kind of like the mid south, uh, sort of like the Missouri country. or something, something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It was really cool track, actually. I feel like this track has the the highest example of kind of like intentionally unquantized rhythms. Uh-huh. I do think uh, they're. I think they're trying to characterize the South with this kind of like folksy backwoods bluegrass sounding style. I mean, especially towards the end here when you have that banjo idea. I think that doesn't that happen? There's somehow. I feel like that comes to play with either like one of the sub areas of this each location has several sub areas and the music tends to yeah. change mm-hmm. um but i i think almost the imperfect rhythms that it's almost meant to make some kind of like i don't know satirical thing about the south or like characterizing it as simple or like hillbilly music or something <laughs> it's definitely i think it's um an intentional comedic choice is how it strikes yeah. me let's move on to both will and myself our favorite piece of music in the game this week's track of the week this is doug the mole man this was a track that was composed by peter mcconnell and before we play this track we're going to kind of lead into it with a little bit of a snippet of our interview all those years ago on our lucas arts episode with peter kind of a nice setup to this track uh we we think it's probably one of the best compositions of his career and it seems like he actually agrees as well he loves this track let's take a listen to a little bit of our interview with peter One of our personal favorite soundtracks of that era was Sam and Max. And I think Uh one of the things that makes it so unique is that it's primarily a jazz score. Yeah. Where did that idea come from? Sean, Sean Clark and Mike Stimley were the, were the project leads on that. And uh, basically Sean came to me, you know, he said, look, this is a gumshoe thing. It's uh, kind of, kind of a film noir sort of thing. I'm not sure whether he suggested something like a jazz thing or I just said film noir, you know, gumshoes. It's got to it's gotta sound like jazz. It's, like, it's also, it's also <laughs> yeah. an on-the-road aspect called Sam and Max Hit the Road, right? So yep, the jazz that's correct. and the beats and really the post-noir era is about the on-the-road kind of scene. Uh, what's when on-the-road was written and that's when you have films like The Wild Ones, Touch of Evil, a lot of scores that are jazz jazz being something that symbolizes darkness well um there's a lot of great solos throughout that soundtrack which one of you guys recorded the solos uh, solos that's probably mostly me um but clint did most of that <laughs> score okay because i did the theme and i did things like you know doug the mole man and oh that's that might be our favorite yeah that's that that's game. the best track yeah, of the game okay. so that's like that's one of my favorite tracks of all time i'd like to have real instruments do that one sometime oh my gosh we would love to hear that peter i used to play it with my band sometimes live um really do you, do you happen to have a recording of that no no not one that i would want to 
um, not want to rub the bits of completely. Such a great piece of music. You guys are listening to Doug the Mole Man, which is a theme that does take place on a hidden part of Carnival of the Odd. This is composed by Peter McConnell. Let's check out just a little bit of a portion of this as the sound blaster to hear how that feels. This theme is so strong. I mean, I, of course, love the melody. I love all the sections of it. Uh, and I love the general mood. It, it's very much a commentary on this character, the darkness mm-hmm. of the theme. There's something about it that's meant to be like this sort of pathetic guy who's just sitting away, <laughs> like eating potato chips. Yeah, and um, it's like you want important information from him, but he kind of won't give it to you. And he actually right. is a very important character for the progression of the plot. He does right. have... Is it is it his uncle? He has an uncle uh, named Shavul, who uh, eventually you have to find in the Vortex, who's another Gosh, mole. <laughs> dude, you have such a good memory. I never would have remembered the name of the uncle if it wasn't for the track called <laughs> Shavul. That we're going to play later on. I, yeah, I love this piece. I love how clearly you can identify sort of the arrangement touches, like the inner clarinet line, you know, and the harmonies kind of swanky are so good. And, and devious chords. But interesting arrangement. You actually have what sounds like uh, here, almost like banjo or mandolin kind of doing the chord step. And plunk, yeah, plunk. I, I really do. Now I have to say that I prefer the sound canvas version for this theme only to hear Peter's specific choices. He, You get to hear how he wanted to arrange this for this band. And yeah, that I was guess, less yeah, clear me, in the sound any blaster. Any of the music that's meant to be taken seriously, I like the sound blaster version. And any of the music that's funny and comic, I like the sound canvas version. Mm-hmm. Like that World of Fish is way funnier on sound canvas. And like yeah. the Snuckies is way funnier on sound canvas. And this is way funnier on sound canvas. But like the you know another idiotic and baffling assignment and anything in yeah. their kind of home where it's more just like straight ahead kind of a sound i think it comes across more earnestly with the sound blaster version that's just my take i feel you man let's move on to speaking of silly this is a very silly piece of music this is highway surfing there's kind of this mini game um in salmon max where you can basically i think you're you have it's kind of like a driving kind of avoiding the obstacles type of a type of a game let's take a listen to highway surfing
<laughs> you guys are listening to Highway Surfing, a very silly track. And I got to give a shout out to Joe. I was listening to the soundtrack, and she she came in and listened to this one, and she was and she noticed something that was so spot on. The very beginning of this track is a clear nod to Footloose. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> which I never really noticed. I mean, I, as a kid, I probably didn't know that song. But going back to this, I just never really noticed that. So that's cool. I was asking her to, like, help me rank some of these songs. And when she got to this one, she was like, this is a 10, <laughs> which I thought was so funny because she loves Footloose. Um, yeah, this is, this is very silly. This fits this minigame perfectly. I definitely wouldn't give it a 10, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think she was serious. Footloose influence. Well, and also, I mean, that song is definitely inspired by a lot of earlier music as well, and that kind of guitar yeah. affectation, the slidey yeah, this is, guitar. Yeah, it kind of goes also into almost like some surf you know, rock. I really think they stole it from territory. Tenacious D, the one-note song. <laughs> ding, 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 you know, where <laughs> I told you to put yeah. the bendy on it a little. <laughs> oh, I guess you did. <laughs> That's mine. All right, guys, let's move on to um, a really funny moment in the game. One of the first moments in video game music, I would say, where you actually have an original song that is sung by the voice actor, um, and it's kind of part of the world. And again, we've 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 mentioned that we already heard this melody if you play the game in Snuckies earlier on. And so, yeah, 1993. I think this is really ahead of its time. Let's take a listen to Childhood in Brighton which is Conrad's song that, that, he, that he sings, um, also known as King of the Creatures. Let's take a listen. I remember my childhood in Brighton When dear old dad would bounce me on his knee He'd say, son, there ain't nothing as exciting As exposing beasts to inhumanity That's why I'm To be king of the creatures I'm proud to be the lord of the old I love collecting things with grotesque features It makes me feel like some champion god Oh, I trapped my first tiger before I could speak Killed me a bear when I was free with this Bigfoot and giraffe neck freak I finally have a full menagerie Hit it, boys! <laughs> this is so fun. You guys are listening to Childhood in Brighton, also known as King of the Creatures, sung by Conrad, who's the main villain in this game. And I think he's voiced also by Nick Jameson. Nick Jameson did the voice of Max, and I think he's clearly also doing Conrad and singing, too, so he has a good voice. Um... Yeah, I was looking on his Wikipedia. He's an actor, a voice actor, a singer, a songwriter, a composer, a record producer. This is a multi-talented guy. Uh, fun fact, he was also on the show 24. That's, that's crazy. Well, a lot of these uh, voice actors have had live-action roles. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, and some of the voice acting, uh, like the LucasArts voice actors, would be reused from project to project. Yeah. Remember, we always used to joke about the guy who was Ben Throttle from Full Throttle, was uh he played that bit part in what was it uh, rebel assault 2 right uh, like i got a reading on a mine up ahead it's an ore processing plan <laughs> i remember it was like you could always tell it was the voice of yeah you know, ben well well he would game. actually go on this actor would go on to voice someone in psychonauts i guess he voiced 
uh, Coach Marceau in Psychonauts. Oh, that's and cool. And so that's that's cool. That was maybe kind of a full circle moment. Yeah, the so, voice acting in song. this game is so strong. I mean, it's, it's amazing. really funny. It's it's never like hacky and over the top. It's always no. like really funny. Well, and I mean, the guy who well did executed. Sam, I think, is a, a very prolific voice actor who's who does yeah. who does like Goofy and a bunch of other people. And I oh, think um, what Steve Purcell was saying is when he hired him that he loved that he wasn't really putting much into the lines. He wasn't trying to oversell them right. or make them over the top. He was just kind of throwing them away, and that's exactly what he wanted. I think the thing that's interesting is eventually Telltale years later would try to do their Sam and Max series and it wasn't remotely as funny and no. the voice acting wasn't nearly as good and the gameplay wasn't nearly as good no. and it's just like yep. it, it goes it to show and I mean it's a very difficult thing to achieve what they got in Sam and Max some well, of the writing it. of the Telltale games wasn't bad like there were some funny mm-hmm. in-game jokes but just the the overall production it it, it was not the same it as a huge feel, fan of know. this game it didn't feel the same and, and it's so impressive that they were able to achieve all this I think this they had about eight months total to work uh, to completely do this game. And it was actually a very small team of people at LucasArts. So, so impressive. They were originally going to make a, a sequel. There's a trailer yeah. you can find online. And then it was canceled. Um, and they mm-hmm. had the original voice actors. Man, that would have been great. So, so sad. Let's move on to the theme of Shavul, who is, I believe, the uncle of doug the mole man and so you find him in the vortex of mystery it's really hard to to find his room what's so funny is um uh, he's basically on uh like a, a wheel like you would imagine like a like a gerbil or like a hamster wheel um and so as you're talking to him he's like exercising on that let's take a listen to shavul got to be peter don't you think will <laughs> definitely this is a really funny piece of music there's almost like hints of like klezmer in here um as well as kind of swanky jazz um yeah this this is a really well, it's related piece to the of music. doug the mole man yeah. composition and Absolutely. arrangement and everything makes sense that it would be a peter composition Remember, this was always so hard to find Shavuul. It took me so long when I was a kid. You know, I'm so glad that I grew up with these games because I don't think I would appreciate the music if I hadn't played through the games. And I don't think that I mean that the music isn't of high quality. But I do think when I played it as a kid, first of all, it wasn't, it didn't sound as old and out of date um, just aesthetically as it may sound now. Yeah. Um, So I think it might be difficult for me to connect with the compositions from Square One now. Because like you said, that Sound Blaster version, which 
oftentimes I think I do prefer, um, it, it'd be so hard to come across. And so I think if I were just randomly scouring video game music and I heard a piece like this, you know, I might skip past it and not really I totally appreciate know what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. they're going for something different. They really um, tried to make the music feel more, I don't want to say atmospheric, but it was more location-based in the sense that it, it can't be repetitive because it's not level or action music. It's just meant to be kind of setting the mood. For sure. What I think is so impressive is if you can hear past the sound of this general MIDI, this, you know, glorified general MIDI palette here, the music is 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 so at a similar level to the later games that would have actual instrumentation and performance, such as Grim Fandango or even Psychonauts. I mean, the music here is some of this is at that same level. It's just really right. well done. Some nice kind of flourishes and solos, good melodies. It, it's really funny and it just matches the experience like a glove. So really impressive score that's very ahead of its time. Let's play another Snucky's track. This is Snucky's Greatest Hits Volume 2. And this one is another kind of like uh, cheesy elevator music comedic track. Let's take a listen to Snucky's 2. Love this track. I, for some reason, have a feeling that Michael Land may have composed the Snuckies music. Um, something about uh, these pieces and these melodies and kind of the the pastiches that they are. For some reason, they just seem a little bit different than some of Clint's and Peter's style music. Yeah, I could see it being either Michael or Clint because um, they're, yep. they're very melodic, which both of them are really melodic composers. Um, and there's like this sense of, I just don't think you can write something like this, um, while making fun of it where there's a sense of like, I think in order to write this type of music, you have to sort of genuinely appreciate how this kind of background music style is composed because a lot of that music is not easy to write because it involves having a really pure and simple melody that's easy to listen to. That's often kind of a melody of sequence and it does and has sort of an economy of notes and it probably uses a lot more functional harmony. Um, And so it's not as much something where they can just kind of space out and improvise where a lot of the soundtracks here It's just kind of you have a general kind of bass and drum groove and then it's just kind of taking You know solos over a blues scale right over it. I'm not trying to reduce it to something less But that's kind of I think a lot of the inspiration for the creativity in the Sam and Max soundtrack where the the Snucky's themes are like decidedly so composed and melodic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what makes them funny is in context, yeah. they have such a contrasting musical style with the rest of the soundtrack. 
So good. And and also, I have a feeling like the intent was that that music is being played over the actual sound system, over the speakers in the store. Right. You know, like background music in the store. That's kind of what I feel like the intention was. So it makes sense why it would be a totally different genre. Um, all right, let's move on to another one of my favorites. This is kind of the classic jazz sound of Sam and Max, but very memorable, very, very catchy uh, to me. I would also kind of sing this one quite a bit. This is later on in the game that you get to this. This is <laughs> Dino Bungie National Memorial. So this is in South Dakota. It's Mount Rushmore, but in this game, <laughs> there's bungee jumping that you can do off, off of Mount Rushmore. And it's kind of this dinosaur-themed park, uh, which is really a funny idea. Let's take a listen to Dino Bungie National Memorial. <laughs> Outstanding, really one of the best pieces of jazz music in the score. Adore this so much. This is Dino Bungie National Memorial. It's a great head, great melody that's very catchy and energetic. Uh, I love the solos. There's some nice kind of short um, trading off between the piano and the vibes happening. Um, and the solos on this game, um, some of them at least, are are pretty impressive. I mean, I don't know if any of these three composers, uh, you know, necessarily have. Uh, jazz chops performance-wise on the piano, but they they are definitely giving it their all. And I think there are moments of the solos on this soundtrack where um, you kind of, I don't know, you accept them. They're very authentic stuff. Well, and I like the use of sort of the jazzy Dorian sound on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has sort of a different quality to some of the rest of the music. And not to yeah. say that, you know, uh, modal progressions like that weren't used until, you know, later, like the 50s or 60s or whatever. I mean, I think that's when maybe they became more popular and ubiquitous in sort of the jazz language. But overall the whole arrangement here is still kind of doing that old school 30s 40s sound Um, yeah to me this this might be one of the one of my favorite pieces of this type of a jazz style on the score because i actually think that everything's working really well um in this track i think the melody is good i think the solos are particularly strong there are some tracks when you hear the solos and it's it's Again, it's that it's coming from a person who they're not actually, uh, you know, a jazz pianist. And so they're trying and they're doing a good job and they're very informed into like kind of some of the scales that you would use. But this is a track where I kind of accept everything that's happening. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, It's all very rich and it has such a strong and identifiable melody that, you know, there's not really another track in the game that um, 
has the same emotion as this. I mean, stylistically, right. there's some similar choices to other tracks that you've mentioned. Um, but compositionally, it feels completely distinct. And I think that's really important because uh, all the overall, the locational areas that you go to, whether it's the Ball of Twine or the Carnival or the World of Fish, they all need to sound and feel differently immediately. Yep. Totally. Let's move on to a really cool piece of music and a very memorable and funny portion of the game. Um, This takes place in uh, kind of Conrad's compound. And there's, uh, I think it's maybe like his bedroom or something. There's this virtual reality video game that you get to play. And so this is called The Tale of Brave Sir Sam, which is a music that scores that virtual reality portion of the game. And it's actually a really great piece of music. I really like this a lot. Let's take a listen to... The Tale of Brave Sir Sam. guys listening to the tale of brave sir sam definitely a clint bajakian composition very reminiscent of a lot of his music in the fate of atlantis uh this must have been so fun um that he had this opportunity to go for this um really exciting rousing orchestral piece of music mixed in the score that really sounds nothing like this eventually going into this um, kind of medieval harpsichord right. piece it, yeah it's just just really great music yeah, it's sort of the the cliche vocabulary of like a medieval adventure film. Yeah, um, for sure. And I mean, I think that's very tangential to a lot of kind of middle age themed uh, video game worlds that often use the same kind of Dorian Gaelic, yeah, British music cliches that. We... Yeah, it's it's impressive because stylistically, the fact that you have that type of a sound is already funny within this experience because it's so different from the the music of the actual world of Sam and Max. So that's already funny. But again, it, it's legitimately really good music and very impressive writing. And, and I just I just think that they really did a great job. It would have been so easy to just do something cliche, but doesn't actually have any heart to it. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, th- there's a lot of little touches harmonically that step outside the cliche, like the yeah da 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 mm-hmm. that almost has that um, more of, uh, I guess not anymore, but at the time it was probably more of like a contemporary film music approach. Um, the inclusion of the flat six in with a major triad that makes me think of like space or Star Wars or Star Trek. Well, that kind you know, of it's so funny. There's there's uh, definitely moments that are kind of Williamsy and spacey, and that should be mentioned too because these people were also these composers were also doing a lot of Star Wars games at this time. You know, within right. this few span of a few years, doing a lot of LucasArts Star Wars games and kind of trying to imitate that 
that sound, but also put their own spin on it, which they absolutely did. Let's move on to um, a track that I think is definitely a Michael Land composition. This is Savage Jungle Inn. good a nice pastiche piece this is savage jungle inn from sam and max hit the road uh one of the last locations that you get to visit in the game near the very end of the the game here um yeah there's a lot of things this is kind of evoking for me i love the the inclusion of that surf guitar electric guitar that comes in which is a uh, color that we hear quite a few times in the score kind of this nice loungy latin elevator music kind of reminds me of something that you might hear in like a movie in like the early 60s yeah, definitely. Uh, and I love the chromaticism built into the progression and the melody. It's beautiful. Uh, again, all this stuff, this old school jazz stuff, it, it's a really, it's it's delightful to kind of hear new compositions and new melodies written in that highly structured idiom. Yeah. Um, the sort of functional harmony of, say, like the Duke Ellington era. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely something that I don't think you think about anymore with like modern jazz. You almost think about just kind of non-functional non-really related chords that are just about an inclusion of more and more color but i feel like the idiom that they're going for was less about kind of like really extended and interesting dissonant chords and more about almost like the theory behind a lot of the show tunes and early jazz yeah. standards and stuff and for it, sure it's, it's so charming and it definitely fits with the theme of all this music the one thing that links it together is it's all send-ups of american music styles yeah and so the fact that that's all tied together through jazz it symbolically makes sense and then when I reflect back to talking to Peter um, and he sort of really wanted to he was talking about you know celebrating jazz music as like the true American Mm -hmm. art form and that's a that's a conversation that's happened um, before and I think they were also excited uh, with this game that there was that opportunity to to really lean into the jazz and it was ma- one of the first times that these these fine gentlemen were able to do that in a video game um, and they did such a great job the entire game was I think developed in eight months and so they probably had even less time than that to do the music and they were also so busy if you look on their gamography at this time multiple games released each year and so they really did a bang up job it's been too long since we've had a dream team 
spotlight. And so that was so fun. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We're going to play you out with a piece of music that that uh, takes place on the same basic Savage Jungle Inn location. Um, this is The Elder's Pool. Um, this is a nice way to send you guys on your way. This was so nostalgic and fun. I definitely have to replay this game. Yeah, that's, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'd love to just have a LucasArts binge and just play, <laughs> you know, Monkey Island and Sam and Max and Day yeah, if of the you guys, Tentacle. If you guys Olympics. haven't played this game, you absolutely have to. I think they have re-released it. Um, I think once, you know, Disney acquired uh, Lucasfilm, LucasArts, I think now it's actually on Steam. So I don't know how that works as far as like the sound. But yeah, it's definitely possible for you guys to play this game. You should do it. I would love for this one to get a remaster. Like Double Fine has done a great job of sort of remastering uh, all of them. I really hope they don't stop uh before they get to Sam and Max because Yeah. It's 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 unlikely to be honest because Tim Schafer wasn't involved in this game. But uh, it, to me it feels like this game needs a remaster more than anything. I would be so excited for that. We're going to play you guys out with The Elder's Pool. I think that's about it. Anything else you got, Will? That's it for me. Thanks so much for listening everybody. My name is Carl Brugerman and I'm Will Brugerman. Have a great week everybody. Peace out. Mm-hmm.